0: Welcome, everybody, to the 78th edition of the Metabilis 2 podcast, which features myself, Ben. And David. As
1: well. Yes. 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 Two of us.
0: <laughs> Hence the name, the Metabilis 2. The Metabilis 1 podcast would be a pretty poor podcast. It would just be one of us talking in a room.
1: It's too close to the sun Metabilis, so it's oh, just that's true. far, yeah, it's far a, too hot.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a hell world <laughs> inhabited only by the most vile abominations.
1: As is Metabulus 3 exactly. because uh, the sweet spot in the Metabulus system is Metabulus 2. It is actually the best of
0: all the Metabulus <laughs> planets because uh, it it, uh,
2: it
1: hosts this podcast.
0: Anyway, uh, enough of enough of that. I think this week
1: Um, We are taking a departure. We had mm -hmm. planned on talking about Moffat cliffhangers, but some unfortunate news and Doctor Who fandom transpired um, within the last week or so, and it was announced that Graham Strong, who was one of the young people who recorded Doctor Who off the air in the 60s, had died, and we thought it'd be a good time just to talk about his recordings and the debt that we have as fans to... The efforts of uh, Mr. Strong and others who recorded off the air in the 60s. And we are fortunate as a fandom that we can listen to every Doctor Who ever broadcast, including the ones that are, quote-unquote, missing from the archive.
0: Yes. Uh, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about... um about Mr. Strong, Mr. Graham Strong, kind of in general?
1: Sure. Yeah. I never had the honor of meeting Graham, but as a fan of 1960s Doctor Who, I owe a great debt of gratitude for his recordings. Yes,
0: yeah, definitely, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so he first started recording Doctor Who right when it began, yeah. as a 14-year-old in
2: 1963,
1: off the air. So here's Graham in his own words, talking to the BBC
2: back in 2009. To start with, I was recording with microphone. And we had a 17-inch a box TV at the time. And I remember hanging the microphone over in front of the speaker with a, a flower pot or something on the top to keep the wire in place. And when the title appeared on the screen, I would shout into the microphone the episode title. At the time, 63, uh, I'd, I'd lost my father. He died when I was 12 years old. And I was an only child, so it was just me and mother. So got my mother to thank because uh, she was the one that pushed me to watch this new s- sci-fi series so graham was recording doctor who on
1: reel to reel yeah. every saturday and he had built up a small collection for his own listening pleasure that he would go back to periodically right. but uh, over time he didn't save them he would erase and re-record right. over for another program Uh, This is how Graham explained it to his friend Stephen Cramford on stage for a Phantom Film event last May
2: 2017. Well, to start with, I was uh, was still at school, so I was relying on just uh, pocket money and um, probably only had one or two tapes that I would uh, reuse over over and over again. So um, although I might have well recorded from the very beginning, they, they got overwritten with later episodes. Um, it wasn't until 1965 when, as I say, we had a different TV and a, a different tape recorder, and I experimented with electronics uh, to the point of being able to connect up directly to the TV. that The quality was obviously a lot better, and I felt then that uh, I could keep them, particularly also I was working, so I uh, was able to purchase more tapes. So with his knowledge
1: of electronics, he was able to break every safety regulation there is with televisions but (laughs) Mm. he cracked open the case and basically made line recordings from his reel-to-reel tape recorder to the actual broadcast and and those those audios are called the crystal clear recordings and They they are the best quality for much of the later Hartnell that are missing and much of the that are missing from seasons four and five. By the time the Dominators rolled in, he had, well, as he explains it, he was just not listening to them. So when his fourth reel had run out of room, he stopped recording them, and the final recording was the Dominators, which probably would be enough to right. do in many many a Doctor Who fan who had grown up with it. <laughs> but um, here's Graham explaining.
2: Well, I, I think I'd come to the end of my fourth tape and uh, perhaps realize that um, I, I wasn't listening to these as much as I used to, and what is the point in carrying on? Um, partly also, I, I wasn't so interested with and uh, stories as I was with Hartnell, um, and uh, the, the two together just sort of came to an end of a tape, and uh, I think that's a decision to stop, or, or do I do another whole tape? Yeah. Uh, i just briefly say which ones he has the crystal
1: clear or the best quality off-air recordings for and um a few episodes last three or so episodes of the dalek master plan but then he has the massacre the savages the smugglers uh 10th planet 4 power of the daleks highlanders Underwater menace, moon base, Macro terror, faceless ones, evil of the Daleks, abominable snowmen, ice warriors, enemy of the world, web of fear, fury from the deep, <laughs> wheel in space. So most of uh, <laughs> Troughton's early works that yeah, survive in such great quality because of Graham's recordings off the air.
0: So here's here's the thing. So I was doing some research on this. I think you you probably know more. Um, about Graham Strong than I do um, since. You have all of those audios. I've re- listened to a few of them, um, mm-hmm. uh, but I have to say not to all of them. Um, so this this, this kind of crystal clear aspect, I was trying mm-hmm. to look at, what exactly was he doing that was so... I mean, okay, I know nothing at all about electricity. It's a science that is indistinguishable from magic <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm vaguely assuming you know more about electricity than I do, but I don't know that you do.
1: Well, just very, very, <laughs> very limited. So there's another gentleman that did a lot of the recordings, and we have him to thank for the early Hartnell ones that are missing, yeah. David Holman. And what David Holman did is, I believe, he had a microphone, and he set it up right in front of the speaker in so when it was broadcasting, he got it right from the speaker. So, but there right. was a there's an air gap. What Graham Strong did is he basically took off the back of the television, and where the wires were going to the speaker, he also patched in a line to his reel-to-reel tape recorder, where like the microphone jack would be. So there was no air gap. It was the, right. ele- the electrical signals that Pure were coming down. Yeah, that were going to power a speaker also would power the microphone leads or whatever he had spliced in for his audio pickup in his reel-to-reel tape recording and there would be no, no room interference or whatnot. Right, um, but, he,
0: this is it, but this effectively made his reel-to-reel tape recorder live, right? So if you touched it, you'd get like an electric shock.
1: I don't think you would get an electric shock. I think I don't know. Obviously, he didn't. Would you? You ran the risk of electrical shock because you were doing what manufacturers say don't do. Uh. And televisions are spe- specifically dangerous. Now, I uh, this is. Uh, I mean, I don't know for certain. I'm not a. I I do. I do computers, but by the time that <laughs> they're closed systems to me, so my electrical knowledge is it's, not, it's, it's, it's not as good as uh, Graham Strong's by any, yeah. any So I'm,
0: I'm curious like why his mum lets him do that.
1: Well, uh, some parents are more permissive than others, I guess. It, it was
0: the 60s, after all, that's true. It was the permissive, mm-hmm. the permissive thing. Yeah, if I tried to hoik off the back of the TV set <laughs> and, like, wired my reel-to-reel tape recorder into the bar, my parents would have gone crazy. Right.
1: <laughs> you know, I only know him for from his recordings and yeah. the little that he's revealed, and he yeah. just had an interest in electronics. and Yeah, he certainly did. And kn- knew enough to make the recordings and the the really wonderful thing for us fans to come afterwards is he saved the recordings and let it be known in fandom yeah because he could have very
0: easy have just chucked them in the bin
1: or just totally put them in a drawer forgotten them or you yeah know, or just
0: re-recorded, you know mm-hmm. swap shop or something over the top of them
1: right so Richard Molesworth, who is the author of Wiped, which very is a very highly recommended book. It's a depressing read, but it's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. On All the research threads that he and others have trailed down. He kind of explains that, that these surfaced through fandom in, the, in 1994, and initially the BBC wasn't interested in them at all because they weren't BBC radio dramas. And since he didn't have the visuals, the television side wasn't interested in them either. And here's how Graham tells it.
2: I was watching a, a VHS tape, if anyone remembers what those things are. Um, and at the very end of the story was um, John Nathan Turner saying, uh, we're, we're basically looking for new material. And if you have anything to contact the BBC, uh, which I did. And um, Basically, the answer came back, uh, we're only looking for video if you've only got audio. Sorry, pal, not interested. Uh, So, as I was saying, Richard Molesworth posted on
1: Planet Mondas Forum, giving a little bit more of a backdrop of what obstacles that uh, Graham Strong faced getting his recordings into the BBC archives.
0: I, I will read it out. Great. I'll do it my best. Richard Moldworth voice, because <laughs> uh, I have no idea what he sounds like. Right. OK, just imagine I'm Richard Moldworth. OK. Graham Strong, What sad, sad day. Here's a little bit of what happened about 30 effing hell years ago, dot, dot, dot. Paul Vanessa's was loaned Graham's audio tapes and made sure that dat clones could be made from his recordings. He's lost me there. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Paul <laughs> then tried to ensure that the BBC Film Videotape Library were given copies of those tapes. They did not want to know. Not interested at all. They were a film and videotape library, they said. Not an audio library. Soundtracks, even those of TV programmes they didn't hold, were just of no use to them. What was the point without pictures? So, the BBC Audio Archive were approached and the first thing they wanted to know was, are these radio programmes? No, they weren't. Oh dear, they said, it's not a radio programme. Then we're not interested. In the end... Paul had to go to the head of the BBC's archives and they said, Why do we want an audio copy of a programme that we have no pictures for? Well, said Paul, what if, five, ten, fifteen years down the line, you get an Arabic or Spanish or whatever, (laughs) whatever dubbed print of a missing Doctor Who episode back? Here's a copy of the original soundtrack. Why pass up the opportunity to get a copy of the original audio secured Here and now. This was before we knew for certain which episodes were dubbed for overseas sale. As it turns out, nothing dubbed in another language is now missing. But it was only at that point that someone woke up and smelled the roses. And even then, getting the F and V T L archive, Film and Video Television Library archive, to accept DAT, D-A-T tapes, was another nightmare, as it wasn't a format they were set up to ingest into their system. No pictures and all dot dot dot. Graham bless him is the person who has done more to preserve and enshrine nineteen sixties Doctor Who above and beyond anyone else. More than Ian Levine, more than Richard Landon, more than James Richards, more than Phil Morris, more than anyone I can think. A genuinely sad day regards Richard. Indeed. Well, there you go. So I've 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 got some I've got a few. Well, is it is it is it good to nitpick a heartfelt obituary? I so I I've worked for the government in Britain and like (laughs) it's very very difficult. There are lots of rules. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone comes waltzing to your office with like a pile of you know DAT tapes, whatever the hell they are, and says like you have to have these in your archive, and you go well why and they go you have to have them so again i'm i'm usually on the side of the poor bureaucrat here who's like <laughs> being forced to accept like a pile of grubby dat tapes that someone's mm-hmm. of, 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 of which i know nothing i'm not a doctor who fan of this is me pretending to be right an, the, i'm not a Doctor who fan. i don't know what they're talking about i don't know i don't know anything about missing episodes so again i think there's very often a tendency to like blame the faceless bureaucrats of the bbc mm-hmm. but you know they were doing their best and um obviously their best wasn't good enough in many ways but mm-hmm. i mean i think the, the the moral of the story is that actually, if you do persist, um, the bureaucrats will eventually relent, mm-hmm. um, and your and your precious recordings will go into the mm-hmm. archive. So all, it was all they were saved.
1: So Graham had met a fellow fan at a party named Stephen Cramford, and they were introduced and kind of sent off the corner because they were Doctor Who fans. Right, right, right. And um, Graham had told him that he had made some off the air recordings, but. They weren't very good because he had recorded them at a slower speed and whatnot. But once uh, Stephen took a listen to them, they were amazing. For you know, they were of such great quality. Cranford made a, a, a sampler tape of them, and they eventually brought that to oh, the yeah, Fitzroy Tavern. I think it was passed on to Gary Russell, who passed it on to Paul Vanessa's, who then got this whole thing in process but it wasn't these weren't recovered until um the wilderness years this was 1994 1995 1996 the you know the middle of the wilderness years time yeah. frame that these were recovered and we had I, I'm not sure if we had lesser quality recordings at the time or whatnot but these these recordings are what we now use or what uh, animators now use as the basis the bbc is using as a basis for the animations for the trout and years so the big big production of power of the daleks that we have talked about earlier that is entirely a graham strong joint s- s- soundtrack yeah his right. his recording yeah. Um, Mark Ayers, um, extraordinary sound archivist and a composer, did fancy stuff to bring it up to even better quality, taking bits and bobs from other recordings. But the, the core, it's so, as he was explaining in some of the interviews, it's so important to have such a, a, a good, solid baseline to work from. It just makes the whole job more straightforward and less onerous
0: yeah yeah no i so I, i'm i'm curious i mean i guess you know maybe mm-hmm. there's more research yeah you know, i'm curious why graham strong kind of you know reintroduced himself into fandom after so many years of not being in fandom that's something that's kind so of...
1: my understanding is that graham didn't think of much of his recordings at all really? that they were that that they were that significant and so you know It was the wilderness years, and as we both have experienced, as you get older, you get busy with other things, and you still like Doctor Who, but it's especially in the wilderness years, it's kind of the odd thing to like Doctor Who. It is very odd, yes. And so it was a chance meeting at a a party, and then I see Stephen Cranford is... um, in audio production or he's a broadcaster of some sort or radio right. and so he, he was able to recognize it. Yeah. We talked about Fitzroy Tavern last week. Yeah. They made the trek to Fitzroy Tavern. They made further contacts because it, once Graham started sharing these with others in the Doctor Who fandom that it became more obvious that these were important and priceless recordings. Yeah, yeah. What
0: did, um, do we know what Graham Strong did for a living? What was his job?
1: I do not know. Okay. I'm, if you look at his uh, website that's still around, it is primarily Doctor Who and family history with a little bit of on uh, cars and railroad r- railroading.
0: Oh, was he was a train spotter as well, was he?
1: Kind of a typical Doctor, Doctor who, who fan who of fan. that era. Yeah, good on him. <laughs> And by his
0: accent, I'm, I'm pegging him as a Bristolian of some kind. Hmm. I would have said he's from the west of England. Is um, Devon
1: in the part of the area world that he was in? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, Devon. Yeah, he would be a Devonian. Yeah, yeah definitely. so yeah.
1: even though his recordings are dubbed crystal clear, yeah, they, they do have some interference. Like they'd pick up French broadcasting at certain times of the year, and yeah. so that there was there was that. You know, so so they're not perfect, but. They're still better than nothing <laughs> and yeah. and just between like the the cura telesnaps and the recordings of like Holman and Strong from off the air, even though we have missing moving pictures, it's right. just so amazing for fandom at this for a fifty plus year old television program that we have. If if you wanted to as I have done you can listen to and watch reconstructions or animations of the entire run of the program from Unearthly Child to uh Twice Upon a Time. Right,
0: right, right, right. Yeah. No it's amazing. It's um it's 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 a real um great kind of testament to i don't know people have hobbies mm-hmm. I, it's, it's people don't really have hobbies anymore do they podcast oh, i suppose so but, but, you know we're not so well i mean podcasting yeah it's a kind of a hobby but it doesn't involve any skill really. right
1: no we just talk well, i mean well i mean well no hang on for you it involves a massive amount of skill because you have to make the damn thing after we finish recording it yeah. but you know
0: it's not like whittling wood or, mm, right. you know,
1: photography or
0: photography or wiring your Real to real tape recorder in the back of your mum's television set.
1: <laughs> it's like people don't really have hobbies anymore, and so it's a
0: great, it's a great, it's a great kind of, um, it's a great testament to the power of people being interested in mm-hmm. things. And again, we're not really supposed to be interested, and that's that's, that's what's exciting in some ways. What's always been so great about Doctor Who is that you know if you're a fan of Doctor Who, that's a really weird thing to be interested in, and think, well, right. you know what? No, it's not. It's actually fun to be interested in things, mm-hmm. and you know, you're not. You know, if he'd been recording, if he, if Graham Strong had been recording episodes of Match of the Day, you know, his favorite, his favorite football team right. on Saturday night, right? People would have gone, oh wow, he's yeah, he's a dedicated fan of football. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's a. To be a fan of a TV show, I think even was, especially then, and, and I think actually less now, which is good, was seen to be something kind of weird and, and aberrant, but um, I'm just glad that he was a yeah. fan of, of the TV show, hmm. yeah.
1: So you had mentioned that you hadn't listened to many of the soundtracks, but you have experienced the animation. So it it kind of brings us back to the topic of animation. And I think one of the questions you posed to me when we were talking about Power of the Daleks is, should we do more animations? Yes, we should. And it seems like having these soundtracks and by putting putting some kind of moving picture to them, it makes them more accessible to a, a greater body of fandom
0: yeah because I mean you know as 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 was proven when they tried to you know dump them into the BBC archives like well who wants a TV show without any pictures right and uh, unfortunately, that is what a lot of people think, and certainly you know I have felt even though i'm a you know I'm a big Doctor Who fan, I felt my own resistance to listening to you know all of a a soundtrack um, mm-hmm. with act- with a bunch of stuff that I don't really know what's happening. Right, and so I think the animations are great. I mean, it's and it's it's. I've just been watching um, over the last couple of days. I've been watching my new copy of um, uh, Enemy of the World. Oh, which is uh, you know the new remastered version, of mm-hmm. blah blah blah, with all the extras, etc. 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 Now that's a show uh, that I think would have been largely incomprehensible as a soundtrack, um, and again, a, a, a lot of the soundtracks when they were released as simple soundtracks mm-hmm. had commentary, you know, Peter Purvis would kind of, and right. the, the Doctor, mm-hmm. jumps off a building, right. um, you know, mm-hmm. so we know what's going on. It does make it a little bit inaccessible, so I think, I, so I think, the, I think the animations are good.
1: I would agree with you, because Graham Strong was, the uh, enemy of the world was one of his crystal clear recordings, and I did listen to that. Oh, really? And give us your, give us your feedback. It is. A lot more accessible when you see the visuals for it. I think it's a hard story to follow, just as a soundtrack, even with Fraser Hines doing linking narration. It, I think, right, it does. Right. It has it has a very large cast. It moves around in settings a lot a bit. You have Trouton playing two different roles, yeah, and yeah. you don't have the visual cues. Is this is this the doctor or is this Salamander? And so. Anything that we can do to make this vintage, this historic television more accessible, even if it is the animation approach or telesnaps even, I think it does help make it more interesting and watching animation I think is more engaging than watching static pictures no matter how much they can burns them up for telesnap right. reconstructions. So Sure, I think if if for certain stories it makes it more accessible. Even with power, it's more accessible with the pictures. You can follow the story a lot better watching the animation than just solely on the soundtrack recording that Graham Stong did with the linking narration of Annika Wills.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I think you know as as technology gets better, and you know we now have some great renderings of the tardis crew which should make animation easier um you know computers get more powerful mm-hmm. rendering stuff becomes easier and easier and easier less hard um <laughs> less harder and harder i would expect and you know as the bbc also needs to make money off its properties uh i would i would hope and expect there to be more there to be more animations i mean i think the downside is obviously philip morris is, is still out there, you know, uh, r- romancing the stone mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, trying to find the recordings. I mean, there will come a point where he'll just throw in the towel and go, listen, there probably aren't any more left. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it, maybe it's a worry that, you know, they'll spend all this money animating something then the thing will turn up. So there's that. Mm-hmm. But, I yes, I think there definitely should be more animations. I really enjoy them. I enjoy the Power of the Daleks animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we've discussed this. You know, obviously the Daleks animate super well. Right. Um, and, having, and having these literal... Uh, actual recordings, if you see what I mean. So, you know, they're they're not, they're not off air. They are literally the soundtrack of the show Mm -hmm. because he wired his, uh, 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 tape player into the TV set. I think is, you know, Mm -hmm. it says, you know, we should animate these because these are as good as they're ever going to be.
1: Right. Barring the original visuals. Barring the original Mm -hmm. visuals. Exactly. Yeah. And I
0: think, you know, it's certainly the case that if we do unearth some more who's in some you know misbegotten warehouse in Lagos or something. <laughs> you know, the longer we leave them in that warehouse, the more they will decay. Right. Um, we need these crystal clear recordings um, in case the part of that decays the soundtrack as well.
1: Yep, I agree. And as fans, I think we owe Graham a, a huge debt, and we do. He sadly will have not have lived to see all the fruits of his teenage labor in fandom but I, th- I fully expect there'll be a time when we may not have visual completion in the archives but we will have reconstruction and animation complete for every doctor who there is
0: yes i'm just, I, i'm sure i'm sure that time will come and just actually just another thought mm-hmm. um, that came to me when i was watching enemy of the world yesterday it's the one of the great things about Doctor Who is that um, you know it's a great TV show. Um, there's a lot of it, which is always good. If you enjoy a television show, to have fifty years of a TV show, fifty years plus of it to watch right. or listen to, but it also it gives in so many ways. Again, one of the extras on the on the enemy of the world. Enemy of the world. Disc is, uh, you know, there's, there's Philip Morris. He's interviewed about finding them and going across the world, and there's pictures of, you know, warehouses in northern Nigeria, and then there's a whole sequence of them repairing the tapes mm-hmm. and bathing the film in a special sonic bath <laughs> that gets rid of all the dirt, and you think, wow, wow. Like, this is the show that just keeps on giving. Right. Not only is it, like, it's a great stories that are acted by amazing actors, mm-hmm. um, but it's also about archiving, mm-hmm. and it's about adventuring across the world, and it's about science, and it's about electronics, and it's about people's lives, like Graham Strong's life. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's, there's, there's so much in this show to enjoy for people who like to enjoy things. Right. And, you know, it's just... End, you know, by, my my lovely wife often... Teases me about, like, oh, there's like, is there more? There can't be more (laughs) things about Doctor Who. Like, you get a magazine every month, what do they put in it? Right. Anyway, um, and she's wrong, of course, because there's always something new Mm -hmm. and there's always something interesting about Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And in in, in fact, in some ways, the fact that we have this saga of the missing episodes, like, well, are they going to find some new ones and they're going to animate some old ones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That actually makes the whole thing sort of even more fun in mm. some ways.
1: In some ways, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, in in, in some ways, it doesn't because mm-hmm. we don't have shows that we'd like to see. Right. But in other ways, it's like it just adds a whole another depth of interest and excitement mm-hmm. to the whole the whole enterprise.
1: So, do you think uh, you think there will be more discoveries? You think Philip Morris will find more in Nigeria or wherever he's looking? Or?
0: Well, I I mean, there will come a point where you have to kind of say, well, you know there aren't any left mm-hmm. because you know um uh, it's 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 i mean i think they're probably i think there are some still left out there i think they may it's possibly more likely that they're in the archives of collectors right rather than in tv stations yep. um i think he's maybe i think we may have kind of struck bottom mm. with tv stations with nigeria mm. um obviously you know we have the terrible um in every every sense of the word destruction of the tv station in sierra leone Um, which had uh, apparently a bunch of episodes in it. And so during that horrible civil war, that was one of the things that happened there. I think there you know, the civil war in Cyprus as well, put paid to a lot of missing episodes. But I'm sure there's some out there. I mean, we know that enemy, sorry, the Web of Fear episode three is out there somewhere. Um, because he got half inched, um, on the way, on the way back from Nigeria. So that's out there definitely. And I think that's why we've not yet had a remastered archive. Uh, release of uh, the web of fear yet right. I think you know they're waiting for that one to get returned but yeah no I'm, I'm certain I'm certain I'm certain that there are more out there this
1: is going into the realm of science fiction but Graham Strong did hand over shortly before his death I think just a few weeks ago maybe a few months ago his original reel to real tapes to Mark Airs for archiving and safekeeping And since we had color recovery from chroma dots, I wonder if some future technology could recover from an audio, you know, surely there's no information there. But what if there was a way of reconstructing from the uh, hiss of (laughs) interference from the... uh, or picked up from the hum of the uh, scanning of the electrons from. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. There is a way. All we have to do is invent a it. big enough computer,
0: um, which has enough computing power to, you know, convert that hiss and hum of lost. image. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. It can, I'm sure it can happen.
1: <laughs> so maybe one day Graham's uh, recordings will be even even more instrumental in the recovery of doctor who see what
0: what, what what we need to do we need to we need to we need to get one of these like tech billionaires interested in doctor <laughs> who like why isn't like like the tesla what's he called The tesla elon look? musk why isn't elon why isn't he a doctor i think who the fan? reason
1: why is because he grew up in south africa during the uh, apartheid apartheid yeah, era it and i mean i mean, he, I mean he's let obvi- him have it.
0: i mean he's obviously he's obviously a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy fan mm-hmm so you know he's obviously got some appreciation yep. for british british telephantasy mm-hmm. and he's obviously a fan of the movie heavy metal so i'm just thinking about that ridiculous um car that he shot <laughs> into space yeah um but you know we yeah, we need to get someone like that mm-hmm. then we need to get them interested in doctor who mm-hmm. and we need to have we need to have that happen quickly and then we need to get him onto it yep yeah
1: there we go yeah that's all we need to have happen anyways that's i just thought it'd be good to take a moment take break, take half it. hour and uh, just yeah. pay homage and respect to one in fandom who has done so much for the preservation of doctor who and I unsung think, heroes yes i think exactly. that we truly owe him an honor and uh, yeah. the least we can do is spend a half hour in talking of his memory and what he gave fandom
0: i mean for those who like old-fashioned websites as well i do recommend his website
1: it may not last much longer, so if you want to see it, get on it. He's got some
0: awesome, awesome pictures of trains, and it's got all his cars that he drove on it. Yep. Um,
1: the site is www.gstrong.co.uk. Yeah,
0: yeah and that's so sad. It's sad mm-hmm. that it's sad that he's gone because he what he was only what, was he sixty nine or something? Sixty
1: nine, far too young.
0: Way too young. Way too young. Uh, he had a lot more Doctor Who to record. Which, yeah. No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> But anyway, I'm sure. Yes, yeah. we, we all miss him, and mm-hmm. he seemed, he seems like a really nice man as well.
1: Very very modest and uh, very modest and self-effacing. Honest. Yep, yep, yep.
0: Mm-hmm. yep. A Devonian.
1: And there are several interviews of Graham Strong out on the internet, including the one linked off his website, his Phantom Film event in Rixmansworth that we uh, excerpted from earlier in the podcast. And yeah,
0: that's and it's it's actually a pretty fun watch, actually. Yeah. Um, if only for Mark Ayres's extraordinary body language. Um, uh, but anyway, no, it's 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 worth watching, and mm-hmm. it's 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 you know, um, as I said, my one of the things that reminded me of my uh, my my uh, my great uncle was a a a kind of a tinkerer like Graham Strong, and was I mean he you know he wouldn't wouldn't know Doctor Who from a hole in the wall, mm-hmm. so because uh, he was too old basically um, to be interested in recording things off the telly. But he, you know, there was this is great tradition of people, you know, with hobbies who sit in their sheds um, and do things mm-hmm. involving, you know, old fashioned stuff like electricity and wires and tape right. and, you know, light bulbs and, you know, things that we're not supposed to care about anymore. And so, yeah, when we should celebrate these people because yes. they're awesome. Yes, indeed. Yes, we do,
1: and we, we owe them a thanks, <laughs> great thanks. We do,
0: we do owe them a great debt of de- de- thanks, and, and let's 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 hope that we let's hope that the next Doctor Who animation
1: reconstruction
0: is dedicated to Mister Mister Graham Strong. Here, here. Well, there we go. A slightly slightly truncated podcast this oh, week,
1: but it focused on topic here, focused
0: very much on topic. And I think if we we're able to maybe add a little bit of audio of, of Mister Strong in, that would be wonderful. Yep,
1: I think that would be. Very fitting for a man who recorded so much of Doctor Who.
0: That's true. That's true, yeah.
1: All right. Well, thank you for listening to Metabulus 2, episode 78. I have been talking with Ben.
0: And I've been talking with David. And uh, next week, uh, we've got some Moffat hangers for you.
1: Yep. We will embrace the Moffatness.
0: Embrace the Moffatness. And we will grok it in its fullness. hmm hmm Excellent. Great. Okay. Goodbye.
2: sat there every Saturday evening with your reel-to-reel tape recorder? I believe so. (laughs) Why? It was unusual. Something new. Sci-fi was not as common as it is today. Why did you want to have a recording of your own? Purely from my own personal preference of listening to it later. And did you listen back to that? I listened to some, but it's very difficult as time goes on. you, You cannot visualize the pictures you've seen. You only have the audio. But in the early days, yes, I could sort of close my eyes and visualize the picture and listen to the story.